Ladies and gents, welcome, welcome, one and all, to episode 132 of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments, brought to you by Funk27, discontent providers. Check out the website, there's um, blogs and podcasts to keep you laughing like a drain in a dark, dystopian time. Uh, how are you guys? Are you good? I suppose I should promote that a little bit more, really, shouldn't I? Um, on that website, on Funk27, there's interviews with legends like Dane Baptiste and uh, Marita Perkis, Super Tansky, Otto English, uh, former tech editor of The Guardian, Charles Arthur is on there, Gemma Forte. Uh, and then there's a shit ton of like satirical, you know, kind of piss-takey blogs and comment pieces and guest writers. Go and check it out. Google it. Uh, funk 27 uh, anyway how how are you guys doing are you okay on this dark cold and murky friday night how's how has your week been uh welcome to the solo show normally i do guest shows on a friday this week i did a guest thing on wednesday and now i'm doing solo on the friday in case you were wondering um anyway as ever there's lots going on lots happening out there in this uh Largely charmless, bubbling hot pot of piss and suffering that we call Britain. <laughs> uh, it's been a it's been a busy week for me personally. We'll we'll get onto the news in a minute. Um, but this has been lots happening with you know the podcast and Funk Twenty Seven, which is you know as I mentioned the website. Uh, you know, first up. Let me let me talk a little bit about this gig that we've got coming up. It's in February. It's on the 10th of February, a Friday night. Uh, it's going to be me, Super Tansky, Danny fucking Price, Jolly on Rubenstein, uh, and a couple of others that were in the process of um, finalising details. And it's at uh, 21 Soho uh, on, on the 10th of February. Uh, tickets are not out yet. Uh, and I'm going to shoot the link to Patreons first. So as soon as I get that live, it's going off to the Patreons so they have the best chance of getting it. So, look, if you want to get first look in at those tickets before they sell out, and I'm pretty confident, I don't want to sound like a massive twat, but, you know, I'm pretty confident it will sell out. So if you want to get in there first, all I'm saying, maybe consider joining my cult. Uh, what else? What else has been happening? Um... So I mentioned, right, so normally I do a solo show on the Wednesday and then a guest on the Friday. And it takes some prep and research and, you know, editing and all the rest of it. But, like, normally I can kind of handle it, right? But this week has been full on. Like, this week I've I've pre-recorded two of them, like, guest things on my lunch breaks and then, like, after work. And then, and then I was heading over to the Gist podcast last night. Uh, with Josh Hamilton, you should check that out. Um, I don't think he's released like my like guesting edition of it yet, but um, uh, it's a good podcast. Go and check it out. Um, so I recorded that with him last night, and then there's my job, and there's my kids, and it's all just you know insane at the moment. So I'm thinking like next week I might just you know not do 
a solo show you know just have a week off of the prep and the editing of that and you know just maybe <laughs> maybe actually play with my son might be a good look you know might be an idea to spend some time with my child because like i don't want to look back at this period in you know 25 years and be like wow yeah you know that that time was so exciting that was a that was an exciting time it really felt like we were headed towards something this ambition and this goal and this feeling like we could change the world and and people would be like yeah yeah and and because you were always off you know talking shit about tories and telling us what monsters the politicians were because you were off doing that you ended up raising the next jeffrey dahmer so i you know that can't happen that is not appealing to me so yeah i don't know look sometimes you just need to spend time with your kids you need to take care of the basics guys you need to you know play a round of guess who or um you know kick a ball in the garden or uh check they're not murdering animals i mean it's like little things little things you need to just check it on um anyway so yeah mad week uh recorded some guest shows with uh, Danny fucking Price. That's out to everyone now. Everyone can check that one out. Uh, then Dapper Laughs, a.k.a. Daniel O'Reilly. Uh, he, I, I did a, a thing with him the other day. And uh, yeah, everything's just a bit nutty right now. It's all been a bit chaotic this week. Oh, and, and the Childminder took the day off on like Wednesday, was it? Or Thursday? I don't know. They all they all blur into one. Um, so that was, you know, she, she probably had to drive her Porsche down to the Bournemouth Hilton for the night or some shit like fucking fuck the childminders are making bank man childminders are making dough like i got paid the other day and it's like money comes in childcare goes out like a lot of people don't who don't have kids don't realize how expensive childcare is you know they're just they're ignorant but in a totally forgivable way you know hugely naive they just haven't been exposed to how expensive childcare is but like we have our daughter in four days a week and our son goes uh, like for two hours after school like twice a week but really you know it's just our daughter and she's like so she's not even in full-time childcare, not even full-time right and that costs like 800 quid a month it is insane so like full time, if she was in five days a week, because we were both like working all the time, like it would be a grand a month. And that is just a bog standard childcare situation in a shit town. Like no, no disrespect to our childminder, because she's actually, you know, she's pretty amazing. She's cool. She's a lovely lady. But the market rate, the broad market rate for childcare in the UK is just eye-watering. It's like being bent over a barrel on the 30th of every month you know just this you know salary comes in and you feel really good about it and then bang broke again like it's insane it's like i work in tech right and sometimes you know you see these you see these sort of you know rock star developers on twitter or like contractors who get deals in banks 
and they'll have to deliver some software to make X amount of money or they'll sell their startup for so many millions. And, you know, like, and, and then you see these threads on Twitter and it will say, who made the most money out of coding this year? You know, like it's a big sort of, you know, in like inspirational content kind of thing, you know? This guy invented a new library and this guy created an app that allows people to do blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, he sold it for $10 million. Who made the most money out of coding this year? My childminder is who made the most money out of coding. <laughs> this year. That's who made the most money out of coding. I'm just the fucking middleman. I open my laptop. I review code. I strategize software architecture and then my salary is funneled to a little 58 year old lady who spends it on post-divorce gym wear that is the dynamic that is happening here she's making a lot of money out of software engineering is all i'm saying and good for her right i'm i'm not knocking her she's amazing she's cool i trust her with my children and she's really really great with them it is the system and <laughs> never that i have a problem with you know because like like other countries, not too far away, socialize and subsidize their childcare because they know that if they free up five million mums so they can, you know, they can go back to work, that's, you know, more women and more, you know, dads, to be fair, like me, like if they're not broke as fuck, they're spending money in the high streets and on holidays and it, like, but no, for some weird, illogical, ideological reason in this country, more powerful than we want growth, more powerful than this makes logical and fiscal sense is the ruling class's desire to keep a struggling underclass anchored to universal credit and struggling to survive that is a a really powerful pull for them they just can't say no to that i mean like i'm i'm not putting just to be totally clear transparent with you dear listeners i'm not putting myself in that bracket right like in the universal credit struggling to survive thing. like i have a pretty good job i'm earning okay uh my girlfriend makes fuck all though so you know we're not rolling in it uh, kind of evens out, I guess. But anyway, it winds me up, man. Like, it's it's so hilariously obvious, you know, for all their endless bleating about single mums being a drain on society, you know, on, on doll scroungers, on fucking skivers. Like, you know, sort out childcare and free up these parents to be able to actually go back to work properly and you fix all that. And they're like, no, no. Nah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I thought you said you wanted growth. I, yeah, I, I do want growth. But I really want a struggling underclass so I can feel like some sort of weird fucked up cosplay Victorian land baron. That's what I really want. That is powerful. A powerful pull to me. Ugh. Anyway, look. Rant over. What was I talking about? My busy week. Okay, neglecting my kids. <laughs> Recording too many shows. Yeah, I mean... Right, here's, here's a question for you guys, right? Do you ever get that feeling? I don't know what your hobbies are, what you're interested in, 
you know, I like doing these shows. I like the prep that comes into it. I like talking to people, recording it, seeing what the reaction is. I like geeking out on politics. That's my thing. I don't know what your thing is. Maybe you're into pottery. Maybe you play hockey twice a week, whatever. But do you ever get that feeling where you don't know if you've pushed it too far with your partner? You know, like with your interests, your hobbies, and like you're spending too much time on it. Like, it's like you can feel when the words come out of your mouth. You know, when I say to my girlfriend, like, do you mind if I just, um, like, if I just step out in the cabin and, and record a solo show again, do you, do you mind if I, like, you could just feel, <laughs> feel it inside as you're saying it, like you're pushing it too far. Like, she wants to say, oh, God, again. Again with the fucking cabin and the podcast shit, really? Fucking real? Like, are you having an affair with the futon out there? Is that what's happening? Like, don't, don't you think you're taking it a bit far, Aid? You're spending a lot of time in there. Don't you think you're taking this a bit far? Like, and you feel shit. You know, she doesn't say that, to be fair. Because she's a nice lady. <laughs> but you could just tell that you're pushing it too far. You know, you feel like... Like you want to just you know sit down and go God I haven't I haven't sat down and watched a film or like a shit TV show with you like at all this entire week like I feel bad I feel guilty and then right here's the weird thing then the other part part of my brain like kind of kicks in at that moment and it tells myself it like tries to self-justify or something <laughs> like tries to sort of fight back to the argument that we're not even having like that i'm not arguing with my girlfriend about anything but this part of my brain kicks in like ready to go because <laughs> it's like it says to, it's like hang on a second day don't beat yourself up too much about this right because there are like seven million husbands out there who are so into football they are completely obsessed you know the type of man that I'm talking about, right? There's about 7 million of those guys out there, I reckon. They come in from work, they put on Sky Sports plus two, plus one extra hour or whatever, and then they listen to the fixtures, the scores and tables. and like, like you, can, you can tell I know Dick One about football by the way that I'm describing this, right? But, you know, I, I don't even know what they would come in and listen to. But you get the idea, right? They come in from work, they nod at their missus, and, you know, she'll be trying to tell them important stuff. She'll be trying to say stuff like, um, you know, oh, don't don't forget to, you know, book the 19th off off uh, the nativity play, right? You need to book the 19th off for the, the kids' nativity. And he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, that's, that's his, that that's the discourse in his house. And then she'll like push it. She'll be like, did you hear me? I'm talking to you. I said the 19th, but the 19th off because we, we're at your mum's. Do you remember on the afternoon? That it, and he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, and then the next night, same thing. And then at the weekend, he's playing football on Saturday morning and then watching football on Saturday afternoon. And then Sunday, he goes to the pub and watches football again there. And then he comes back home and he's fucking hammered and he's uh, like asleep in front of the TV, there are millions of husbands out there who just live, breathe, shit, and eat football. And football doesn't even matter. <laughs> so at least doing this, you know, I don't know, it might might turn into something. 
At least there's some value to it. If I might be so bold as to equate Patreon support with value. So yeah, I don't know. Like That is what I tell myself right? in my head. In this argument that I'm not having with my girlfriend, but my argumentative brain self-justification kicks in. Tell myself it's, it's it's okay for me to, you know, once every six weeks, have a week that is just dominated by politics and podcasts because get this, somebody's made up husband in the fucking depths of my brain. Somebody's made up husband is shitter than me. That is what I tell myself. Like, it's okay because someone out there is probably worse. And no, I don't say any of it to my actual girlfriend. Um, I am way too much of a coward to actually say all that to her and have her challenge it. <laughs> no, 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 no. It is much easier to just say it to myself in my head, unchallenged, in, in cowardly justification <laughs> as I silently sneak back out here for you guys. Um, I don't know if that's a healthy state of mind to be in, by the way, like, you know, saying, okay, yes, yes, I know I'm a shit. I am. I am a shit. That is one thing we could agree on. I am a shit. Your judginess and my self-loathing meet in the middle. <laughs> it's the one thing we have in common is that we agree that I'm just... Uh, a massive prick but in my defense like i am shit but in my defense i could be even shitter <laughs> like... then the other part of my brain kicks in again like i i don't know if that's ever worked as anyone's defense aid right <laughs> it's like i mean what is that like that's like um i don't know. like imagine you got beaten the shit out of by some kid in year nine you know, back when you were 14, somebody beats the shit out of you. And then when you get a chance to talk, you're like, what the fuck, bro? And he's like, come on, man. It's not like I kneecapped you. It's like, well, I guess not. You, you guess? Well, it was, you know, you might not have kneecapped me, but it was still very unpleasant. I mean, you did, you did shove two fingers in my mouth over and over again and shout that you were fingering the biggest pussy in the school in front of the whole school while punching me in the stomach. Yeah, yeah, but look, look down. How, how many kneecaps do you see? Well, yeah, I mean, how many? Two kneecaps. Yeah, that's right. Two kneecaps. Yeah. So, um, so, thanks. Yeah, thanks. How about a little thank you? Like, that's, that's a sort of warped mentality that my brain is going in um you shouldn't read too deeply into that by the way I, you know i'm not bullying or beating my partner that was a clumsy ass metaphor but um you know it's the same thing right it's trying to avoid responsibility because it could have been worse uh let's let's get a beer open guys let's sell the nerves anyway so very busy at the moment but it's good to be sat down taking a minute out cracking open a beer with you guys and talk shit with you dear sweet sweet listeners uh so what's in the news what's been going on this week let's do this let's get into this so we're only 20, <laughs> 20 minutes in i haven't even really talked about the news yet uh here we go let's get into it are, are you ready here we go three two one 
and we are off like a prom dress. So, few, few big racism stories this week, wasn't there? I don't know if you noticed like, how much of the news this week was to do with... Like, racism is making a comeback. It is the all-new craze, <laughs> apparently. Racism is so hot right now. Um, like, this week... Right, so it started with Farage shitting his tits about two or three cities in the census, apparently, according to him, although it was later ruled to be bullshit uh, or certainly not entirely factual... He was shitting his tits that some cities will no longer be majority white. Uh, which is wild, isn't it? Because it's like, I know people who like Farage and I know people who dislike him. And I know I've read enough comments on Twitter and TikTok and stuff to know the kind of people that like Farage, right? And it's always that same type of Faragean fucker that says, well, if you don't like Britain... You know, if you don't want a Britain for British people, then why don't you fuck off? Get the fuck out and just leave. It's Britain for British people. If you don't like it, why don't you just leave? And it's like, okay, A, I very nearly did. <laughs> the only reason I didn't is because I couldn't successfully railroad my girlfriend into agreeing to leave. She was like, no, you know, we've got family, we've got friends here, the kids are at school. I was like, fuck. So here we are. B, you fucked that up for all of us when you nuked freedom of movement. When you voted Brexit and cheered it on and they stripped freedom of movement away, that cancelled my ability to move to close to European countries, right? So there's that. And then C, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of native Caucasian Brits are actually leaving. And guess what? Then you're getting the highest immigration figures ever. And so the population of white people diminishes. <laughs> and it's like, well, if you don't like it, fuck off. Well, okay. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Why, why is there no white people anymore? It's like, what the fuck? I mean, I'm not saying it's good or bad that there are or are not lots of white people, right? I'm just saying it's pretty funny if it bothers you and you're causing it yourself. You know, it's like a guy shouting, complaining that his voice is going hoarse. So, so Farage was talking shit again, which is nothing new, obviously. I mean, the, the amount of unadulterated Portsmouth Harbour sewage that bubbles out of that guy's mouth is just unparalleled. It's like, it's like, mate, look, if you're, if you're worried about places that are no longer white, try your shit seeping mouth. Because, like, census reports that that thing will be almost 90 to 95% brown by the end of the year. So I, I, I know it is alarming in that instance. So anyway, that was the beginning of the week. That was Farage. And then there was, you know, the old lady at, Buckingham Palace and then Kanye just you know I don't I don't even think there's an adjective for what Kanye said is there I mean there's a noun which is cunt <laughs> but uh adjectives I, I struggle to describe 
how dumb, callous, insensitive, commercially stupid. I mean, there's a few adjectives in there, so maybe I should give myself a break on, you know, chastising myself for shit linguistics. But it is, it's kind of funny, though, isn't it? Because, you know, about a week ago, or maybe it was only a few days ago, like he, he sat down for dinner with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago in Florida, right? And he sat with these two guys, Kanye, sat with his two friends. I forget their names now, but they're not like low profile guys. They're both like high profile, sort of alt-right, anti-Semite, you know, racist dudes. And he sat with them and, um, and then the dinner blows up because Kanye asks Trump to be his running mate, right? And, you know, Obviously, Trump isn't into the idea of being anyone's, you know, number two, being Kanye's running mate. Really? That's no, that doesn't sound like he's running for president himself. And so then a shouting match ensues and reports come out about it. And it reflects badly on Trump, right, rather than Kanye, which is interesting, I think, because, you know, Kanye sat there with these two fucking problematic guys. But it reflects badly on Trump. There's headlines saying, why is Trump hanging out with racists and anti-Semites rather than, oh, shit, Kanye's gone nutty. Like, you know, so it's all about it's all within the orbit of Trump. And it's almost like, right now, spool back to the shit that we've just seen of him on on Infowars saying he likes st things about Hitler. He likes Hitler. Like, it's almost like Kanye saw all the press that Trump got for associating with these problematic guys. Kanye saw that. He's like, hey, hang on, man. I'm the star here. This sort of racism thing or new racism thing, that is my new shtick. Like, what the fuck, Donnie? I want the headlines. I want the press. And so then he goes out and pulls this shit. Like, could it, could it be that simple? He's just slightly misjudged his PR campaign here. Anyway, look, let's move on. Let's talk about this old bitch in the palace, shall we? Uh, the second of our racisms this week. This 83-year-old woman who works at Buckingham Palace. Like, years of service, apparently. Whatever the fuck that means. I mean, she was a, she was a confidant of the Queen. She was a lady-in-waiting. Again, I have no idea what that means. She was basically, like, a long-time... Buck pal entourage. Oh, and uh, god godmother to Prince William, right? God, that tastes delicious. Um, anyway, she's doing some sort of, you know, royal occasion for the Queen Consort, Camilla. And as she's sort of manoeuvring from this person to that person, meeting different people, shaking hands or whatever, she meets this lady, Ngozi Fulani, and she asks her where she really came from, right? A black lady asks her where she's from. And apparently this lady said, oh, I'm from, you know, X, somewhere in Britain, I guess. And then, and this lady, old lady, pushes her on it. She's like, no, no, I mean, you know, I mean, where are you really from? You know, that thing. So that happened and she's resigned from her post, from her sort of palace duties, if you like. And then William comes out with a statement, right, <laughs> which I quite like. He says, there is no place for racism in society today. 
Let's just focus on the wording of that for a minute. He says, there's no place for racism in society today. <laughs> and so you read that just, you know, on face value, like in the paper or whatever, you know, we, you're supposed to go, all right, yeah, cool. Nice one, William. Right on. Like, but it is an intro- interesting choice of words because there's no place in, in, in no place for racism in society today. It's like, well, yeah, like not in society generally. But like, why not say the palace, right? Because the shit happened at the palace. It's a member of the royal circle, I guess you could call them. Why not just say there is no place for racism at Buckingham Palace? You know? Like, you know, that old lady just called the woman the N-word. I mean, you know, she didn't. But if she had, and William had come out like, there is no place for that in wider society. Like, wouldn't you be a bit like, well, yeah, I mean, look, we all know that, Will. That's why none of us are running around asking black dudes where their spears are or telling tables of black professionals to remember the colonies, both of which other members of the royal family have done. There's no place for racism out there. Like, that's kind of the vibe, isn't it? It's like, I strongly condemn all racisms everywhere. Even the one that just happened in the palace by palace staff. The the society's racisms are ugly. Like, (laughs) do you think it's because, right? here's, Here's a little working theory for why it was phrased like that. Do you think it's because he knows that if, like, so if he said there's no place for racism in Buckingham Palace, he knows that we're all going to go, hang hang on a second, mate, right? You say there's no place for racism in Buckingham Palace, but, like, didn't you, didn't your own brother say a year ago that there was concern within the firm at how dark his son's skin might be? Oh, oh, well, uh, 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 like, wasn't there a rule to prohibit Black people from working front of house in Buckingham Palace? Uh, oh, 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 oh. Like, didn't your grand murder your mum for fucking an Arab? Oh, oh wait, no, 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 no. It's, like, it's not okay to say that on a satirical podcast. Like, that, that was that was never proven aid. The fuck has gotten into you? <laughs> but you, you get my point, though, right? You know? Like, wasn't the firm pissed off your nephew might be a bit darker? I, uh, there's no, there's no place for racism in society is is what i meant uh, uh, like we we all have to do better right right you you all need to do much better uh-huh in fact i'm i'm going to need you all to try much much harder at this yeah yeah okay all right i'm i'm sorry your highness so wait, wait, wait hang on a second i haven't done anything this is all you racist motherfuckers like that cheeky bastard switched that right around like some sort of High society Jedi mind trick. Like, is Buckingham Palace racist, your highness? No, no, it's you who is racist. It, it is me who is racist. Like, sneaky people, these royals, clearly. Anyway, so what did she do? She asked a black lady who is a, an advocate of survivors of domestic violence she asked this black lady where she was really from and look if you're not aware of this issue it this kind of you know faux pas it is a thing that some people do it's clumsy 
it's a bit thoughtless. I don't think it necessarily comes from a bad place. Although it is hard to say for sure without asking where it's really from. Oh, fuck me. We actually managed to weave in a joke. How about that? Anyway, it's that thing that people do where they say, where are you from, though? Oh, um, uh, Camberwell? No, no, I mean, I mean, really, though. Well, uh, my, you know, my mum lived in Streatham for a bit growing up. No, no, I mean, I mean, properly. Like, where are you, where are you originally from? Like, the thing I don't get with that is why not just say heritage, right? Why not just ask the actual question? Just get to the point. <laughs> you know? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't black guys be like, oh, look, just, just, can you, can we not do this dance? Just ask the question you're actually trying to, the, the question that you're dying to ask me, just ask it. Don't pussyfoot around this shit. Don't be like, right, but where are you, where are you really from? I mean, no, I mean, like, uh, don't make me say it. Oh, God, where, where are you really from? Like, just come out with it and say, I hope you don't mind me asking. It's just that you have the most beautiful skin and hair, darling. You know, my grandparents were Irish, so I have these god-awful droopy eyes and skin. And, you know, my skin, frankly, ages so bad. It fucking, you know, drips off the bone like ribs on a barbecue, you know, once you turn 30 with my heritage. But you are absolutely beautiful, my dear. What is your heritage, my darling? Like, even that is a is a bit like, you know, why, why do you want to know? Like... Why is it any of your business? But at least it's nice. At least it's caked in self-deprecation and flattery, right? At least it's nice. I mean, you know, apart from the bone dripping thing. But that's, you know, that's just me trying to amuse myself. So, um, I don't know. Like, I'm, look, I'm a white guy from the home county. So maybe I should just shut the fuck up about this stuff, right? Maybe I don't know how it feels to even be asked a question, you know, about your ethnicity, right? With all the context and history that comes with that question. Like, where are you from? Are you pure? Where's your papers? No, you can't be in the Abercrombie and Fitch catalogue. You can't. You know, I don't know how that feels to be segregated and sidelined and dismissed and not listened to or be told I'm a troublemaker if I raise my hand and ask a question. You know, I don't know all of that shit. But even, you know, if you push the context aside a little bit, just the nuts and bolts of it, like even if you ignore all of the, you know, the history of slavery and oppression and even the nuts and bolts of that question, where are you from? Is It is a bit like, why do you care? You know, why do you want to know, lady? Like, what, what the fuck? And I think this is one of those times where, you know, specifically as a 42-year-old white guy, it's like, you know, you have to make an effort to step outside of your immediate knee-jerk reactions to shit. Because the instant reaction is the one that's rooted in your own life experience, right? Your own bubble. That's your, your knee-jerk reaction, is that. But when you contextualise it, when you step outside of your own shit and just really think about stuff... When you contextualize it from a black woman's perspective, it starts to make sense why that would be so jarring. You know, 
Like if I had had that life experience, maybe I would be like, why is that important? Why, why do you care? Why is your chosen subject for us to talk about that? You know? Because like, like, I hope you don't think I'm being too sensitive here. Like, I hope you don't think you can't say anything anymore. But here's the scoop, lady. Like, you're already a rich white woman in a castle right now. And I'm your guest. You know, there's a certain dynamic to this. And I should be happy to be here and everything. I get that. But, but on top of that dynamic, despite me working really hard to integrate and to ignore the rich tapestry of racism this country slaps me around the face with every fucking day, your little, like, where are you really from comment is making me feel like I'm not even British, like I don't deserve to be here, like I've been othered. Like, where are you really from? Like, you nutty old bat. Can we talk about something else? Are you that old that you've just run out of shit to say? This is the last thing you've got left. You know, like, taking the dynamic of rich, old, white people and then exploding it into a, um, well, you know, not only are you poor by comparison, but I definitely don't see you as the same. Like, that's that's kind of what you're doing there. Maybe, maybe I'd see it like that if I had that life experience. And you know what surprises me about this stuff, right? is not that it's being said, not that these things get said. I mean, fuck, like, I've said that sort of stuff. I'm not going to bullshit anyone that listens to this. You listen to my podcast, cool. You jump on the Patreon, great. I will meet you halfway by just not telling you fucking nonsense and pretending I've never said problematic shit. I'm positive that you could fill a fucking double album with the stuff that I've said that is unfortunate problematic and i would fucking cringe my asshole inside out if i ever had to listen to myself saying this sort of stuff that i used to say right i said that kind of shit where are you from like like when i was doing stand-up right here's, here's a little story for you when i was doing stand-up uh i gigged a lot with this one guy who you might be aware of his name is ishan akbar and now he's doing very well indeed and you could probably you know you could google him and you'll see him on like panel shows and tv stand-up thing i think he's done live at the apollo now um he's definitely done shit like qi and um anyway look when ishan and i were gigging back in the day this is about eight years ago i guess um we were doing spots at the same places headlining the same nights um i booked him for my monthly thing like i knew him reasonably well but anyway, one night in North London, I was filming backstage. I was doing like, you know, after gig bits for a documentary that I was making, you know, asking people questions about their routine and like, you know, whether they liked bringing friends along to see them or if it's, you know, embarrassing for them to do that. It's, you know, sort of behind the curtain kind of thing of stand up. And, uh, Anyway, we were, we were chatting and it was, you know, me sort of selfie filming us and having a bit of a laugh. And I cannot for the life of me remember uh, why or what it was in response to. But I did that thing. Like, I remember saying something along the lines of. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like, re like where are you really from? Like, and it was totally innocent from my side. Like, I just wanted to know if he was, you know, Pakistani by origin 
or if his family was from somewhere else. You know, which now, like, spool, spool back to now, and I would never say that, you know? I'm like, why did I even want to know? Was I just making conversation? Was I trying to be interested in who he was? You know, his story, where his family came from? Was that it? And he immediately went, like, what, uh, what do you mean, Aid? <laughs> like, like, jokingly, like, it was in good spirits. It's kind of, you know, I remember that clip, that video, actually being kind of funny because i sort of immediately backed down i was like i actually don't know what i mean by that i don't know what i meant by that that sort of where are you really from like it was just really fucking weird of me like one of those times you look back on your own behavior or conduct and you go wow i would never say that now i would never ask somebody that now like is that is that a sign of how much things have changed in the last decade or is it me that's become kind of more socially aware? Like, does that mean I need to, you know, cut this old lady some slack? <laughs> like, how could I criticise her for doing something that I have personally done? But you know what? Right. There are <laughs> there's three reasons why I can do that. Why she needs some shit for this. The dynamic is such. Right. This is number one. The dynamic is such that it is just a different thing. An old white lady shaking hands with guests in a castle is not the same as two comedians talking shit with each other in a room above a pub. Like the optics are different. The relationship between the two people is different. It's just a different thing. So that's first. Second, I only asked it once. And it was layered with a healthy dose of, I probably sh I shouldn't say this, but this is supposed to be a sort of, you know, half entertaining open mic documentary. And I, you know, at the time I wanted things to be a bit edgy or whatever, you know, and I immediately rode back on it like, oh shit, <laughs> like definite vibe of child who can't swim flailing around in a river of shit kind of vibe to it. Right. I didn't, I didn't keep asking, keep probing an obviously uncomfortable person keep pushing this idea that Ishan wasn't British or, you know, but yeah, but where are you really from? You know, as indeed it sounds as though this 83-year-old lady, Susan Hussey, did. Third reason why it's different. Third reason why I can give this lady a bit of shit despite having done something similar myself. Third reason. Because it's my fucking show. <laughs> That's it. There you go. You were looking for integrity? Were you? Really? From the guy that styles his Patreon as a cult you need to join? You know, who endlessly bleats on about how Tories fuck livestock? That is where you're coming for integrity? Fuck. The well must have really run dry in Westminster. Anyway, so this is obviously, you know, it's a big story. And, uh, and Prince William has done that statement. Distancing himself from it. And then he's fucked off to the US. He's flown off to the United States. Um, and and he and Kate are off, you know, shaking hands out in the street. And, and you, right, you know what's wild about it is that they're, they're still so clumsy about this kind of stuff. Years and decades on, you know, like some of these attitudes were commonplace in the, you know, 60s, 70s and 
you know, I'm sure there are people of color who will be like, oh, right through into the 80s and 90s and noughties, thank you. Like, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that kind of comfort in being weird and like problematic that that level of comfort is something that was commonplace in the 60s and 70s i think now i would like to think most of it like it's the reason this is such a big story is because it's actually quite exceptional for this to happen certainly in like high society like that anyway but it's wild that it's they're still so clumsy about it all these decades later like for you and me we've said and done stupid shit i'm sure but we learn and we grow and society changes and, you know, people adapt and evolve, right? But not, not the royals, right? They're just, you know, anchored in some weird 19th century decor house with butlers and ladies in waiting and gold carriages and, you know, seemingly all the attitudes that come with all that shit. And it's a bit like... Well, yeah, I guess, you know, if you were surrounded by the riches of the Commonwealth and former colonies, I don't know, like, maybe, maybe it is hard to break away from that mentality when everything around you reminds you that you are somehow better than these people that you used to rule over, right? You know, like, uh, like your, your Royal Highness, um, you have to now use the term people of colour. Okay, you've got to use the term people of colour and you've got to attend three diversity training courses. Oh, oh, okay, yes, yes. Diversity and inclusion is important. Uh, just come and get me when you want me. Okay, I'll, I, I understand. It's in, diversity, inclusion, yes, and people of colour. I've got it. Anyway, look, come and find me. I will be sat on my throne made of African bones and stolen jewels. Like, it's just, if, you're, if that's your life, how can you modernise? Do you know what I mean? I feel like maybe it has to be an all or nothing thing. Burn the fucking palace down. If we must have a royal family, can we at least have them live in something that isn't, you know, looking like something out of, um, fuck me, what was that Tarantino movie? The slavery one. Uh, Django Unchained. Like parts of Buckingham Palace on the pictures look like something out of Django Unchained. Anyway, look. The attitudes and clumsiness itself doesn't surprise me from those circles. What does surprise me is that it's still happening publicly. That's what's interesting. Right? It doesn't surprise me that people in their 80s have a certain way of looking at the world. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's not overly shocking that somebody of that age might fuck up in this way. What's surprising is that it happens publicly. Because, like, I don't want to... I don't want to pretend that I've got any intel on the Windsors, right? And their, and their entourage, right? I don't know how that shit works. But I always assumed that the best of the best worked for Buckingham Palace, right? I always assumed the best, top-tier, big budgets, smart suits, you know... Highly prestigious PR agencies, the best media advisors and crowd management and engagement coordinators that money can buy. That was my assumption. Like, is that just me? Or is that a fair assumption that in the firm, one of the richest and most 
prestigious families in the world, I would be assuming they were receiving the platinum tier service for everything. So like, you know, more specifically, I figured there would be someone in Windsor Castle or Buckingham Palace whose job it is to pull people aside, people from a different time, older people with clumsy vocabulary and shitty attitudes. Like it's, it would be their job to go, hey, uh, yeah, look, 90 year old woman, try and try not to call them this. You know, like that's somebody's job. <laughs> I assumed that the premium platinum tier service of crowd management and PR, somebody would have a job there to go like, yeah, don't get fucking susan hussey and it'd be like oh she's she's a fucking time bomb she's gonna say something problematic it'll blow up the whole thing would be a nightmare get, get, get somebody like, a little bit younger maybe like like isn't it somebody's job to pull the senior royals in and go like yep everyone sit down i've got powerpoint all right everyone paying attention yeah cool okay right here we go listen guys listen team there were some learnings from the post-mortem on the, you know, baby Archie dark skin colour stuff the other week. There were some learnings of that. And one of the key outputs, team, was that the uh, the press and the public don't like it when a posh, posh person does a racism. So don't say this thing and don't refer to this person as that. And don't ask this type of person where they're really from. Do we have that? Okay. Sign these documents, say that you learned and understood it. Like, maybe you don't ask the crazy old broad to welcome people in anymore. She's fucking 83. Maybe it's time for some new blood. Like, could it be time for some new blood? But you can't find somebody that might be a better fit for that role. You know? You can't find somebody better than the 83-year-old woman. Like, I imagine... I imagine there's people in Buckingham Palace who would love a job like that, you know? Like, I imagine some 59-year-old guy. Picture that guy in your head now. 59 years old, bald, bit overweight. He's been doing the same job, some sort of clerical thing for years. But he's desperate, absolutely desperate to get a job in the palace when his current fixed-term contract ends or whatever. He's desperate to get a job and like, without being written off and chucked on the scrap heap, right? He's 59, he's too young to retire, he doesn't have the funds, he just wants a job in the palace, and this one would be perfect, right? Doesn't want to get thrown on the scrap heap just yet. He has skills. He wants to believe that ageism isn't a thing, that he could still do... Like, his whole thing is like, please don't write me off yet. I can still do things. I need a job. And then someone wheels the 83-year-old ditzy broad out and she says the wrong thing and he'd, he'd be like oh god this is not going to do anything for my campaign you know like like i'm only 59 i can still learn and adapt and evolve then he like you know moves out the way slightly to reveal this you know fucking old lady saying something awful i can say colored of course i can what's the big problem and he's like oh god like it's already hard enough to get a job over 50, you're making a hard thing harder, you dappy old bat. <laughs> I mean, really, this comes down to, like, so... 
when when people talk about these sort of you know diversity workshops and inclusivity and unconscious bias and all that stuff they get a lot of stick right people love to mock that shit but this is why diversity and inclusion is actually important because when you have an event staff of almost entirely privately educated turbo upper class high society white people all over the shop floor and you've got a history of being like yeah um no no dark people um i mean we'll, we'll take dark haired people at a push we would much rather blonde and blue eyed to be fair with you we'll take dark haired people but yeah no actual no yeah don't make me say it but no 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 black people in front of house rock like when you've got that history there and it's all dominated by privately educated high society white people they're just not going to know what is and is not acceptable out in the real world or they they're going to be far less likely to right had you included a few state school educated black people under the age of 60 maybe someone would have overheard this bitch the first time she said Oh, so you, you, you're African. Oh, I hope you don't want your jewels back. Lol. You know, and they would have like, pulled her in. And gone like, how many times, Susan? How many times? You can't say that shit. And then they turn around to the woman. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. She's really fucking old. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. We are all very sorry, aren't we, Susan? Like, if, if they'd had a few people from the real world and it, there was a bit more of a diverse workforce, I really think that episode might not have happened so what this really is you know it's a story of racism it's a story of clumsy behavior and stupidity but really what this is is a story about the urgent need for shit like diversity workshops and like inclusivity targets but i fully accept that that is not the way this will be portrayed so Fuck it. Guys, I've got to go. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. Thank you so much to the Patreons. Let's keep this cult that we are building going. I'm looking forward to the uh, the show in February. Let's fucking do this. Me, Danny fucking Price, Super Tansky, and some others. Uh, I do have to go now, so um, enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Thank you so much for listening. Catch up with you all soon. All right, cheerio. Bye. Bye.